are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your lovely, fit, both brain and body, of course, host Lidor Dayan. And in this episode, I had the honor to speak with Daniel Geffen. Daniel is a writer, public speaker, and the host of the podcast, Can I Pick Your Brain? Oh, and let's not forget, he is a full-time father with three kids. Honestly, I really, really enjoy talking with Daniel. It felt really authentic, real, and really spontaneous. I love to talk with intelligent people that get my brain to walk, and Daniel really pushed me here. We talked about several topics, such as conquering your fear by using his children analogy. We also talked about how to stay focused and not drawn in today's world that fill us with tons and tons of information. Damn it, I miss the 90s. Yes, I was just a baby, but let's assume I was mature for my age. (laughs) And of course, most importantly, how to know yourself, which is super, super crucial. And if I could go with one nugget from this interview, that would be it. You gotta know yourself more than anybody else. We can all model the best in the world. We can all use other people's materials to become better. But at the end of the day, we have the ability to decide and make decisions about what we believe is best for us. That's when you really know you. When you believe in yourself, when you believe in what you do, when you know what works best and what doesn't for you. So, without further ado... Let's begin the interview. First of all, I want to thank uh, for having you uh, on my show, the Mind Body Podcast. And uh, I would like you to introduce yourself uh, for people that might uh, don't know who Daniel Geffen is. So if you don't mind. Hi, my name is Daniel Geffen, uh, founder of the Geffen Media Group. I'm also the author of The Self-Help Addict, which just came out. Uh, That's my latest baby. And I'm also the uh, host of the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast show. That's nice. Can you please uh, show us a little bit about uh, how you started this podcast and uh, where the, the, the name Can I Pick Your Brain came from? Yeah, it's interesting. Can I Pick Your Brain is usually what you would ask someone. Um, if let's say you had a couple of minutes, so for example, let's say you were at a Grant Cardone event, right? And you have like that two minute window of opportunity with him and he's walking out, you know, usually you say, Hey, can I pick your brain for a second? You know, that's usually Ah. what we say. We want to, we want information from someone and we want it like, you know, so that's why I came up with the idea is that I'm picking the brains of successful people to find out how they got from where they were to where they are today. And how can you actually take the, how do you know how to evaluate a good information? Because there are so much information in today's world that you get yourself like overwhelmed. So for example, as a, as a man that's doing a podcast, what do you think is the best way to learn from other people? 
so it's interesting that you say that that people get overwhelmed by too much information. It's actually something that I talk about in my book. Uh, it's uh, called the the paradox of choice. So there was um, a book written by Barry Schwartz called The Paradox of Choice, and in the book he talks about how the more choice you have, the less likely decisions you make. Meaning, it's less likely for you to make a decision if you have too much choice. So, for example, they did an experiment with uh, with women. They had uh, a, a certain clothing line, right? A certain dress, and they had. Um, I think it was somewhere like 10 to 15 different colors of the same dress. Yellow, blue, purple, red, orange, right? You had all different colors. And then they had a separate group of women where they only offered them three choices. They had three choices of, of dress, of colors of the dress. In the second, um, the second group, they, they chose much more than the first group. They, they were willing to, to choose a dress and buy that dress then in the first group. The first group, they just didn't know what, they didn't, ha they didn't know what to do. And so this is the same thing in, in anything we do in life. Whenever we have so many options, we usually do nothing. And so the key is to really f just limit your options. Keep your options limited. Only have two to three choices and choose one thing. And the problem with self-help addicts, and my book is all about the self-help addict, is that he's always, the self-help addict is always overloading himself with choices, right? He's reading, you know, 50 different self-help books from different people. He's watching, you know, it's, yeah, hundreds of videos on YouTube. He's listening to, you know, dozens of podcast shows. But he's not taking any action because He's just overwhelming himself. He's overdosing, like just like you overdose on drugs. Mm -hmm. So, so information is like a drug. You can overdose on it, and when you overdose, you you can't do anything. Yeah, I can so so relate to this because when I just started, I was so overwhelming myself with such a lot of information. I took this book and then I, I read this and then I took this course online. And okay, so yeah, there is Tony Robbins and let's grab from this one and this one. So so many and like you get crazy, right? So yep. it's so, so true and like so relate because once I make a decision to, okay, I'm going to use these two, three people that I really, really trust and know and I, I'm going to immerse myself and know ex exactly like uh, uh, as much as I can about those people, their belief system, uh, how they created the world, like everything that I want in my life. And uh, that's actually helping more to organize your brain because like when you overwhelm yourself, it's like one, two, three, many. Our brain doesn't work like this. So this is so true. And... You talked about your book, The Self-Help Addict, and can you tell us a little bit about the process of actually writing a book? Yeah, so it took me 10 years to actually write the book. And the reason it took me 10 years is it took me nine years thinking about it, procrastinating about it, worrying about it, pushing it off, trying to make it perfect. And then it took me only a year to actually write it. Mm. You know, um, so I mean, I remember when I finally decided that enough is enough. I need to publish this book. Like it's been in me for ten years now. 
I, I did something that I talk about in the book, which is to make yourself accountable. And a lot of people talk about you know, being accountable, but it doesn't work. And the reason why a lot of the times it doesn't work is because you don't make it uncomfortable enough. So for example, let's say you decide that you want to start a podcast show or you want to start a business or you want to start going to the gym. So you hire a coach, right? That's what most people do. They yes. hire a coach. So but the problem with hiring a coach is you're paying the coach. So really you're in control. You decide. The coach is not in control. You could fire the coach whenever you want. You know what the coach is, is pushing me in pressure? I don't want you. Get out of here, right? So the problem is, is that you don't make it uncomfortable enough for you to make a decision. And the reason why we don't make decisions, the reason why we don't do things is because it's uncomfortable, right? So the best way to make sure that you're going to do something is to give yourself one other option. And the other option is more uncomfortable than to do, it. do you think so maybe think so. it's because of uh, our belief system about ourselves that we just are, don't believe enough in ourselves to make actually decisions? So we ask so many people. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And we could talk about that. We could talk about that. I want to give your, your listeners, though, a, and, your, and your viewers a, an, an example of that. So for me, with my book, the reason why I didn't want to publish the book was because I was afraid. It was uncom- I was uncomfortable, right? So what I did was, about nine months ago, I was tucking my kids into bed. I have four children. And my oldest son, Elisha, as I was tucking him into bed, I said to him, I said, Elisha, I have a surprise for you. And he said, yeah, what's a surprise? I said, for your 10th birthday, I'm going to give you a book. And he said, a book? What the heck? I don't want a book. I want an iPad, not a book. <laughs> so I said to him, no, no, no. It's not like a regular book. I'm going to write the book, and I'm writing it for you. And you have this book on your 10th birthday. And he was like, wow. His eyes lit up. He started dancing on the bed, you know. Uh. Uh-huh. And I put him to sleep. I closed the light, and I walk out of the room, and I said to myself, oh, crap. Now I have to really write the book. You got leverage on yourself, huh? <laughs> I left on myself. I don't want to disappoint my son. It's more uncomfortable for me to disappoint my son than for me to write the book. Mm-hmm. And so I put myself in that situation because I really want to write the book. I want to do it. I just need to really give myself enough of a kick up with toughness as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I always tell this to people like uh, in order to uh, it's like if you were actually standing in front of me and I will just push you What would happen? You will just like go a little bit and then stop, right? So same as uh, if we're trying to avoid from pain if I try to avoid from pain It's gonna push me at the beginning, but then I stop but you you need the pleasure So you said yes, I, I want to create this book. That's the pleasure, right? But you need the instant pain in order to push you at the beginning so uh, like today for example i had a client that uh, is trying to lose fat and he's struggling a little bit so i told him from this day each and every single week what you're gonna do is you're gonna put a chart and you write down your weight 
and you're going to commit to yourself that each week you're going to tell to your kids because kids always remember right they were like yeah dad what about the weight and we want to see you like lose it then it's a leverage just like you did with your book so most of us need some kind of uh, leverage to get out of pain in order to get started but it's the pleasure of like the consulate like the, the what you actually want it for so that's really amazing and that's a good uh, way of thinking uh, so that's great uh, another questions uh, that I all uh, I want to ask you is about uh, how do you keep focus like for example when you interview people so you probably have many questions and stuff that's going in your head so how can you actually be there present actually uh, listen to them and not be in your own mind like thinking about the question or the next questions because i see it for myself it's it's getting me like sometimes yeah yeah it's a very good question and 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 by the way this is the difference between a really good host, a really good interviewer, and and someone who's not so good, right? Is I know a, a host is doing a good job when they're able to listen and they're able to ask questions based on what the guest is saying. Not just, oh, this is the next question, so let's go to the next question. Mm-hmm. You know? And and really this is this is also coming down to how do you become a good a conversationalist? Right in sales, it's it's also the same thing. When if you want to be good at sales, you have to learn to be able to listen to the other person, hear what they're saying, and then use what they're saying to sell themselves. You want that person to sell it. You don't want to sell. You don't want to be selling anything. You want the person to convince themselves and to sell themselves. Right? It's the same thing. A good host. Is not the one that tells the guest where to go, what to do. A good host is able to take a guest and allow the guest to really open up and to just go deeper and go and go further. And so what I started to do is, even though I had a rough outline of questions that I wanted to ask, and even though I had some sort of a direction I wanted to go in, but I had it there. And a lot of times I just went with the flow. So I imagine that I'm just having a regular conversation with my guest. It's like imagine you're sitting at a bar, okay, and you meet someone. You're going to get out a notebook and you're going to start writing questions? No. We don't. It's not a human yeah. being where you don't act like that. You don't come out and then, oh, one second, let me ask you some questions. You don't do that. Mm-hmm. You sit at a bar and you say, hey, dude, how you doing? Well, where are you from? What do you do? And then he says something and you say, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Tell me more. What what uh, what made you decide to do that? Oh, well, well I met this person. Da, da, da. It's an interesting story, let me tell you. And it's an amazing story. And you sit there and you go, wow, what incredible. I have some questions though about that story because, you know, it's incredible how you were able to do that. How did you do it? And you just, it's natural. It's, you know what it is? It's like when you're riding a bike, you ride the bike and you ride it with training wheels first because you don't know how to balance. So you start off with a training wheel. So the questions are really the training wheels. When you start off as a sales guy or as a host on a podcast show or wherever it is, you start off with the training wheels, which are the list of questions. You hold it in your hands. The same thing when you speak, right? Uh, uh, um, Amateur speakers, they have to have a piece of paper in their hand. They have to have like a slideshow, you know, they got to like, they have to hold on to the railing. You have to hold on to the rope. You know, they got to 
They need the training wheels. Mm -hmm. But a great host, a great speaker, a great salesperson is able to take off the training wheels and trust themselves. And it really does come to trust. It comes to trusting yourself that it's going to be okay if you just take the piece of paper and you tear it up and chuck it in the bin. Oh my God, what am I going to do? There's no, I'm not gonna, what, am I, what am I going to ask them? Don't worry. Just be yourself. Just be you. You get on a stage and just talk. Just, just talk about what you are passionate about. What, you are, what, what, are you, what are you thinking about right now? Just talk about it. It's more interesting to talk from your heart than it is from a piece of paper. It's, it's so true, I, I believe, and it just come again with what we talked before about uh, the self-belief about yourself. Because once you are believing in yourself, then you will not need all those extra papers and stuff like that, right? And for me, it was really hard to, to shift it. This is why I was so obsessed about actually learning all the, the, the tools, the stuff that I can actually change myself to understand this thing called our brain. And lately I've been uh, a lot uh, in NLP, if you know, which is uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming for the, the guests uh, that might know, don't know it. And it's actually just like you did about uh, when you talked about the podcast, you reframe stuff, right? Because just like a conversation, I can think about my, uh, to myself like, oh my God, this is interview, it's gonna be recorded. Then my stress levels is much higher, right? Then if I was like, okay, I'm just gonna talk to a person just like I usually talk to, and then automatically, it gets easier. So it's all a matter of perspective of how we see things. Yeah, and you know, I want to say something as well, Leo, is that when you, um, you talked about self-doubt, right? Self-belief, self-doubt. And one of the things I talk about in my book is about how do you overcome that self-doubt? And a lot of people, they try to change their mindset. They try to use positive affirmations. They try to say positive things. These are all good. These are good. They're nice. They're, they're, they're nice things. But I think there's something much more powerful, much more powerful. And that is you've got to take action. Because the more you take action, the more not only you need to convince yourself, you prove to yourself. Mm-hmm. You see, when I talk to myself and I say, I can become a billionaire. I could become a billionaire. I could become a billionaire. Or I could be a great speaker. I could be a great speaker. I could, I could uh, uh, write, a, write a book. I could write a book. Like, if I tell myself this, I'm trying to convince myself. And so I can have an argument with myself. My other side of, of my brain or my other voices in my head could say, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. Right? But when I take action, I prove it. I say, I'm not listening to you. I'm not discussing this with you. I'm going to do it. So I get on a podcast show and I start a podcast show. I write a book. I write a book. Here's a book. Where's my book? Here it is. Here. Here's my book. Now, you have something to say to me? Tell me I can't do it. I did it. Too late. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to get on stage and I'm just going to go. And the voices in my head, they're going to say, you can't do it. Don't, 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 don't. I'm going to say, screw you. Look, watch me. I'm going on. And every single time... You take another bit of action, it proves you again that you are capable, that you can do it. So action speaks louder than words and it speaks louder than your thoughts in your head. So you need to get into a habit of taking action even though your thoughts and feelings are saying something else. You just take the action anyway. 
Yes, yes, you, you're absolutely right because I, the action is actually the cure for everything. We can have so much knowledge and know everything, but eventually at the end of the day, what you do is uh, eventually what's going to either take you to where you are today, to where you want to go or not. And one of the things that like, I believe most people uh, are afraid of taking action is because of the feelings that we have. And I was actually studying this and... The thing is, feeling it's something that we actually do. And once we have awareness, we can develop a muscle of how we can control it. Because whenever somebody feels something, we don't just feel it. We got to be aware of where does this feeling start, right? Because when I ask you, like, if, for example, you feel stressed, where is that stress in your body? Where do you feel the stress? So once you are more aware of where it's, it starts and begins, then you want to know which direction it is. Like, is it spinning forward, backwards, to uh, the left or to the right? And the more we spin something, the more we're going to feel it. So if I want to change how I feel, I got to be first aware where the feeling is starting and then change the direction of the spin. And the more you do it, the better you get. Okay, so I hear that. I've heard lots of different ways to deal with it. And I'm going to tell you my, my way that works for me. And I wrote about this in my book as well. I look at my thoughts and feelings like children. Like they're my children. Mm. You know, you have children? No. Not yet? Okay, so for those of you listening, you have children, you're going you're gonna to know what I'm saying. But even if you don't have children, you can, you can imagine, right? I say to my children, it's bedtime. Let's go to bed. Mm. What do they say? I don't want to go to bed. I don't feel like going to bed, right? I say, it's time to go brush your teeth. I don't feel like going to brush my teeth. It's time to go to school. I don't want to go to school. I don't feel like going to school. What do I do? Do I argue with them? No. Why? I'm, I'm the master. I, I'm in control. I take them by the hand and I say, I know you don't feel like going to bed, but you're going to bed. And I walk them up the stairs and I put them to sleep. Yeah. I know you don't want to go to school, but I put them in the car. I drive them to school. Bye bye. Have a nice day. Right. So my thoughts and feelings are like my children. They say, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't feel like going to the gym. And I say to them, I know, I know you don't feel like it, but we're going to go. And I start going into my car, I drive to the gym, I get inside the gym, we get on a treadmill, right? And guess what happens after five minutes? My thoughts and feelings, they change, they change their mind. They say, wow, this is great, wow, I feel amazing, wow, I'm so happy I came to the gym. And I say, you see, I told you, you're going to enjoy it. You have to trust me, right? I am in control. The self-help addict is not in control. The self-help addict is being controlled by his thoughts and feelings and the little children are taking over the house. You have to be the master of the house. This is your house. This is your temple. Your thoughts and feelings are your children and you have to make it clear that you are the father, not them. Yeah, the, the, and, and, and that's you're, you are, you're absolutely right because... Many of us, like, we have so many experiences in our life that it shapes our character. And uh, I, I really, like, believe, like, 
most of the fields, it's something that we actually learn, right? Because if we are, uh, for example, afraid of public speaking of, uh, or going out and talking with strangers, it's something we actually learned over time from something that happens in our life. Because if we look really back when we were really young, we actually have just two fears. And you know what is this? The fear of uh, big shouts, because when we're babies, when we hear something like, ah, then automatically we cry. And the other fear is the fear of falling. <laughs> All the others we just like, okay, through the years, we just, uh, we see this, this, and okay, our brain like connects. This m- means fear. So once, just, just like you said, because you can know everything, but at the end of the day, it's about taking the action. And the more you take action, you discipline your brain and you're not, take, you're not letting your brain control you. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna... Um, <laughs> I want to give a different opinion on you said that when you're younger, when you're children, you're afraid of falling, right? Actually, it's not true. Because when you were one years old and you were starting to walk, you were not afraid to fall. You kept going. You got up and you walk and you smash your head and you get up again and you walked a few more steps and you fell again and again and again and again. You weren't afraid. You didn't care. You had a goal and you went for that goal and you didn't stop until you achieved that goal. That's why I say to every single person listening to this that you have already in you the ability to, to achieve anything you want. How do I know? Because when you were a child, you did. You, wanted, you needed to learn a language and you were breaking your teeth and you were saying go, 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 blah, blah, blah. And keep trying and trying and eventually you started to say words and then you started saying sentences and then you were able to speak. You weren't embarrassed. You didn't care what anyone thought about you. You, didn't, you weren't afraid of being, um, uh, you know, failing or falling. No. You had courage. You had strength. You had consistency. So every single one of us has the ability to be consistent to be courageous, to not care what anyone thinks, to have self-confidence, to achieve anything we want, to be present. But somewhere along the line, somewhere down the road, somebody or a few people, they, they persuaded you that, it's not, that you're not capable. Somehow, someone, I don't know, maybe it was your teachers, maybe it was your, your friends, maybe your parents, maybe your siblings, someone, some people, they talked you out of it. They persuaded you, they brainwashed you. And all you need to do is go back to that person that you were. It's already there. The thing is like, I was always so obsessed about if there, are we really capable of changing our limitation, everything, like in a moment, the fastest way? Because what we all want, we want to feel the freedom of actually experiencing ourselves, like talking the way we want, not too much ear, not too much thinking, not having all those, like, you know, those kind of emotions you feel in your stomach and like, will I say this, will I not say this? And how we can actually shift it the fastest way possible because it's been my obsession, like I always want to know more. Um, I mean, the only way to really, um, I was going to say conquer fear, but it's not, you don't conquer fear. You don't beat fear. 
uh, I wrote a chapter called Fear is Your Friend. Most people think that fear is the enemy. Fear is the evil. I don't, I don't believe that. I think fear is a very good friend of yours. Because without fear, we would not be alive. We would not be like filled with energy. We wouldn't be ex like, you know, when you're, when you're afraid, so your adrenaline pumps, right? And you start to get very like, oh, you know, energized. If someone comes on stage and they're not afraid at all, they have no fear, they're going to be boring. Mm -hmm. I promise you, they will be boring. Like it will be like watching paint dry, right? When someone is nervous or when someone's afraid and they come on anyway and they're coming on, they, then you see them. You see the human side of them, and you see their the energy goes up, right? I get I get excited. I get pumped, even though I'm fit. Every time I, I I've now recorded over 120 episodes. I've interviewed over 120 people. How do you know I'd when you fear? Excuse me? How do you know that this is fear, a fear feeling? Nobody teaches you this. So how do you know what is a fear, what is excitement? You know, you know fear because you are almost holding back from doing it. It's like you are standing on the edge and you're about to jump and you're like, mm, I don't know if I should jump. You know, that's fear. Fear is like you're taking your hand and you're about to touch the, the hot thing and fear is like, ah, I don't know if I should touch that. That's fear. But fear is there because number one, it protects you. That's number one. Fear is your friend because fear is protecting you from doing things that it could be very dangerous. But number two, fear is your friend because fear gives you that, that feeling of being alive, of that edge, you have an edge when you're in, in a state of fear. The key is not to get rid of fear, the key is to channel the energy of fear. You use that energy. It's like anger. You know when you're angry? You're really angry? That is a very powerful, powerful energy. If you use that in a positive way, wow, you can, you're unstoppable. You cannot stop someone when they, are ang when they are angry, when they are determined, when they really want something and they're not going to stop. Get out of their way. It's dangerous. They're wow. And it's the same thing when someone's a fear. It gives you an energy. You just need to channel that energy and you're going to accomplish a lot more. And, the, and the, the answer, to answer your question, how do you, what do you do when you're in fear? What do you do? My answer is you just do. You do it anyway. Even though you feel the fear, you do it anyway. And if your head, if your brain, your, your voices, they tell you, oh, you're going to mess up. Okay, I'm going to mess up. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to mess up. I don't care. I don't care. You have to just take the action anyway, and you're going to see that it's not so bad. And even if you failed, even if you messed up, but you learned something from it. And no one really cares. I promise you, no one cares so much about you. I, I, I wish I could say they did. No one really cares about you. You're going to go and you're going to make a fool of yourself. You're going to fool. No one's going to care. You know what they care about? They care about themselves. Mm -hmm. They care about themselves. They're going to laugh at you for two seconds. Then they're going to be thinking about, what do they think of me? What do they think of me? You know, everyone goes into a room. You go to a bar. You go to a club. You go to an event, right? You, wherever you go, you go to a wedding, right? And, and you think, oh, my God, they're going to look at me. They're going to think about what I'm looking like. What do I look like? What do I dress like? How do I speak? What am I doing? No one is thinking that. Because they're all thinking like you. 
<laughs> Everyone's coming in the room and they're all thinking the same thing. What does everyone think of me? <laughs> what do they think of me? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry because no one's thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. So how do you get out of your mind and not always too much thinking, 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 thinking? Because like, for example, we can talk and you can talk and all of a sudden my brain like go into a state of like, okay, he said something good. I, 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 I'm thinking about what I'm going to say and then I lose you for a second. So it's about training yeah. your brain. How, how do you train? What is uh, maybe some sort of, uh, I don't know, tools that maybe you use in order to train your brain to actually be present more? You know, again, it comes, it comes back to looking at your thoughts and feelings as your children, right? What do you, what do, you do if you're in your room, if you're, if you're having dinner with uh, guests and your children are sitting there And they're making noise. Sometimes I have guests for Shabbat, yeah? Mm-hmm. Or for Sabbath. We have a Sabbath, so I have guests. And some of my children, they're making a lot of noise. Now, I, sometimes, I, obviously, I want to include my children. I want to include them in the conversation. I want to, you know, spend time with them. But sometimes I'm having a conversation with someone and they are making noise that they're interrupting. So what do I say? I say, shh, hey, I'm talking now. Please. Yeah? Please, you want to speak, you can go, go to the playroom, go play, go to your room, go some, like, I'm speaking now with my friend, right? You have to be the boss. Mm-hmm. So your thoughts are like your children, they're making noise, they're making noise. So, so something you just say, shh, shh. But sometimes oh, they, their children don't want to shush. <laughs> yeah, they don't. So we're going to talk later. We'll, we'll talk, we'll talk later when I finish. Once, let me finish with this man. When I finish with him, I'm going to speak to you. Don't worry. You know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. You have to sometimes also be nice to your thoughts. You have to treat them like, like your children. You have to be kind. Don't say shut up. You don't do that. I don't hit my children. I don't say shut up. Get out of here. Leave. Go away from me. No. Just be nice. Say, hey, I hear what you're saying. I hear you. It's okay. I'm going to come back to you soon. We're going to think about it soon. We'll think about it. Right now, I'm just with this person. Please, with some respect, I'm, you know. And it always yeah. helps with your kid because some kids, like, I used to... Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, no, no, now, now, now. Right, right. So, so, so those kids, you have to be in control and you have to take them and you put them in the room and you give them time out. Now you're staying in this room for five minutes because you didn't listen to me. So then he comes out and you say, you're still not listening to me. Now it's 10 minutes. I do this with my children. If they don't listen to me and they don't go and they don't go to the, okay, now 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, okay, I'm going now. I'm going now. You give them, right? You have to show them that you love them, but you're the boss. They have to see you as the boss. They have to respect you. They have to know that you love them, but there's respect. It's the same thing. When my thoughts misbehave, I say, shh, listen. I asked you nice, please. And if they're still not listening, okay, listen, no. enough it's practice it's not going to happen like overnight the children take time to learn right they take time to learn that that oh when 
when daddy says this, I, I have to listen. He's in, con- he's in, uh, he's in control. I think it's a good uh, analo- analogy. Like lately I've been taking care of a three years old. And he was like, when I told him just like the stuff that you said, he was like, no, ah, and he scream and he scream and he scream. And most of us, like our brain kind of scream to us. And then we like get overwhelmed, like, okay, okay, okay. Take your candy or whatever. Right. And then we like take a step back. So what do you do when you're like hearing these screams? Mm-hmm. You have to be firm. You have to be say no. I'm not, I'm not. You, you, you make it very clear. I'm not going to listen to you now. You know, let's say I'm going to work. My kid is screaming, I don't want you to go, I don't want you to go, I don't want you to go. I say, I'm going. I'll see you later. No, no, please don't go, don't go, don't go. Don't. No. I close the door. I say, bye-bye, see you later, close the door, and I walk away. So when your voices are shouting and screaming, you can shut them out. You just... Don't pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to just ignore and just move. Okay, I know what you're saying. Okay, but I'm, I'm doing this now. Your, your, your voices will start to quiet down after a while because they, they start to get the hint, you know? It doesn't, it's not going to happen necessarily the first time or the second time or the third time. But by the fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, they're going to get the message mm-hmm. that they cannot just interrupt when they want to interrupt. You know? Yeah, so it's just like understanding that sometimes what we want at the moment, it's not going to happen when we want and it sometimes just takes time. And how, like, the more you practice something, the better you're going to get. So, yeah, by the way, you know, that thought that you just said, that's one of your children. You know that? Mm-hmm. You wanting to quiet down the thoughts now is actually one of your children speaking. It's not, not you speaking. Mm-hmm. Because an adult, yeah, somebody who is mature, they understand that things take time. It doesn't happen like this. It's only a child that wants things now, 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 now. It has to be now, now, now. It doesn't have to be now. That's a child, that's a child thought. It's a child... Uh, speaking mm-hmm. that's a, a limiting belief correct mm-hmm. interesting it's also de- it's like oh if I don't if I don't have it now it's going to run away it's a scarcity mindset there's an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset that's another thing I talk about in my book is about the abundance mindset and scarcity mindset people who have abundance mindset are way more successful They achieve a lot more because they are open to an abundance and they have patience because they know there's a lot, there's, there's time and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm, I'm confident. I know it's going to happen. I trust that it's going to happen. People who are scarcity mindset, they think that there's only a little bit here. I have to grab it now, now, now. If I don't grab it, it's going to be gone. That's a child's way of thinking. You ever see a child when, when the, you, you take away his toy and you give it to, to someone else for a few minutes? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Why? He thinks it's going to be gone forever. That's it. That's not. Or you ever see a child when this cake, cake comes out? He wants all the cake. Why? Because it's not going to be enough. There's plenty of cake. There's so much cake here. Don't worry. But they want to grab. They want to grab because they're worried it's going to be finished. It's going, not going to be finished. Don't worry. So how do you get out of uh, like bad habits? Because most of what we practice daily, it becomes our habit. 
water and it's dirty. But the water is dirty in the cup. And I tell you, I want you to get rid of the dirty water, but I don't want you to touch the cup. You're not allowed to touch the cup. What do you do? So you said that there is a cup of, with uh, water that is... Uh, it's dirty, it's a dirty... I can't dirty touch water. the cup and I need to remove the water. Yeah. You need to remove the water, but you can't touch the cup. I asked my wife this on our first date. Really? <laughs> 11, years, 11 years ago, this was a question I asked my wife. I, and I'll tell you why, why I told her this, because she asked me a question. It wasn't the same question as yours. Your question was, how do you change bad habits? Her question was, how do you, what do you do with negative thoughts in your head? If you have negative thoughts, I want to do bad things. What do I do? So I asked her this question. You have a cup. It's filled with dirty water. How do you get the dirty water out? But you're not allowed to touch the cup. Hmm. Uh, I'm thinking like if I drink it, it's it's a dirty, right? Don't touch the cup. From a straw. No, if you drink it, then the it's poison. Let's say. Ah, it's poison. Uh, okay. So I, I I'm not allowed to to remove the cup. Uh, I need to suck it up with something? <laughs> no, no. I tell you, you pour clean water in the cup and you keep pouring it until there's only clean water left. I thought about saying this, but if I put water, then all it's all gonna be like... Yes. Yes, it's going to overflow, it's going to overflow and overflow and overflow. And eventually, what's going to happen? There's going to be pure water, clean water. So this is the same thing. How do you change bad habits? Is you create good habits. And it's just like a good analog. Like what you're saying is just something that, you know, Jarek Robbins, uh, Tony Robbins' son. So I interview him. He said some of the same. Like if you take a glass of uh, of water and it's full of water, and you're trying to put Coca Cola, then there is no place for this Coca Cola, right? Just like our thoughts. Like if you have more positive, you are, you like think more positive. Yeah, that that actually makes sense what you're saying. Uh, so the the better you practice it and more better habits you have on a daily basis but if for example you okay you make the decision and you start and you you do try to develop those habits and you still some sort of like procrastinate or like again move because you know like you start something and then like it's so the, how like you you still do 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 until it becomes stronger you have to have also acceptance. Acceptance means that it's okay. I don't have to be perfect. Uh, the problem with self-help addicts is we need everything to be perfect. Oh my goodness, I procrastinated. Oh no, I didn't do, I didn't go to the gym this week. Oh no, what that? Relax. It's okay. It's okay. You have to also make friends with that. Be be in peace with, with 
sometimes you need to take a break. Sometimes you need to have a bad day. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to sit and watch movies for hours every now and again. But don't you think sometimes it's about the standards that you put yourself to? Like, if you demand a lot from yourself, then if you like, uh, okay, have a little bit down, so it might get you mad. It's like, oh no, that's not my standards. I demand more from myself. So, so you need to know yourself. That's key. You have to know who you are. You have to know what you can handle and what you cannot handle. And you have to be honest with yourself. Don't try to be someone else. Yeah, one of the chapters in my book is it's it's talking about don't idolize people. Be yourself. Right? People say, "Oh, Tony Robbins, he gets up at three in the morning and he jumps in a freezing cold bath, you know, like a pool." And I, no, why? Why do you have to do that? That works for him. Maybe it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for me. I don't like cold showers. I hate it. I don't want to do that. I don't like to wake up at four in the morning. No. Why do I have to do that? I know how I work, and I know when I work best. And when you get to know yourself, and you give yourself permission to fail, you have to give yourself permission to fail. You know, if you're always needing to succeed, you're going to burn out. I promise you. I promise. No one in this world can keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. It, it's impossible. We're human beings. We're not angels. You have to allow yourself to fail. You have to give yourself permission. You have to have patience, give space. It's it's abuse. People abuse themselves. They go from one extreme to the other, right? So we start off and we're lazy and we procrastinate and we don't get things done, and then we go to another extreme. We have to be oh, perfect, oh, oh, and then we we burn out. There's no need to be extreme. Just find a good, healthy balance. But it's about when when you really try to reach, for example, for the top, and you really think like a high achiever. Then one of the things most people say, like if you want to really be good at something, find somebody that's already really good, model if like beliefs, like his habits, and apply it on to, into your own life. But what you're saying it's about okay, you gotta know yourself because when you know yourself, then you actually know what works for you or not for you. But on the other end, if I don't use those kind of stuff, I might go a little bit like under. You can you can model you can model people. You can take from different people different things. So I like Tony Robbins. I like the way he has so much energy, and uh, maybe because he drinks a lot of water. Okay, so I'm gonna drink. I, I'm gonna drink more water. That's one thing I'm gonna take from Tony Robbins. And you know, uh, Grant Cardone. I like. The way he, you know, he picks up the phone. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, waste time. He picks. Up, I, I'm going to start picking up the phone or whatever it is. It could be anything, but you find things that you can take, and you don't have to take the rest. You don't have to be everything that person is. Otherwise, who are you? You're not yourself. You're someone else. And also, I will challenge you on something. You said to me, "How can you get to the top? What is the top? What, what does that mean, even?" I want to get to the top. Top of what? What? What are you trying to get to the top? What? Of what? When you are like, a, for example, uh, in in particular industry, you want to be the best. To actually feel that you are the best in the world at what you do. Why? Why? A sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, uh, serving. It's like. Right. Uh, 
uh, knowing that you, you did your best to actually, that, that you serve and help as many people as you can. So you think that being the best guitar player in the world is your meaning, that's your purpose in life? You think that being the richest person in your industry, no, that's... No, not example, no, not that the richest person, but actually like a, a sense of knowing that what you're doing like is you do more for others than anybody else and you know it and you know that you, you did your best to, to serve and... So that's, so that's interesting, you said that because you know it. So it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's if you know in you in your heart, you know that you did the best you can. That's it. So you don't need to be the best. You just need to do the best you believe that you did. You know, in my book, I, I talk about my racetrack. You know, I have a racetrack. Mm. It's only one track. There is no one, no other tracks. Why? Because I'm not racing against anyone. Mm -hmm. I'm only racing against me. I have no one to compete with. There is no competition in my world. You can't compete with me because I have my own track. I don't, you don't, what are you doing in my track? This is my track. Get your own track. Mm -hmm. And you know, another thing I tell you something else, there is a balance and this is very important, probably more important than anything we said this whole episode. There is a balance between becoming and being. There's a balance between becoming and being. So let's say you're climbing a mountain, yeah? And you want to get to the top, you want to climb and climb and climb and climb. That's becoming, right? You're becoming better and better and better. If you don't stop every, every so often, if you don't stop and say, hold on, take a breath, Look down the mountain, look how far I came, wow. Really look at it, look at it and say, wow, look what I did, wow, wow. Look, I did this and this and that, I climbed so high, right? And then you stop and you look around, you say, wow, what a view. Wow, look what I've, look where I am, wow, beautiful, it's so amazing. And then you look up and you say, okay, now there's more to go, there's more to go. And you go further and further and further, but you have to stop and you have to look down and you have to look around because if you're only looking up the whole time <laughs> then your life is miserable i promise you your life will be miserable look at the people on the top look at uh, the joker from batman for example you look at celebrities you look at athletes you look at billionaires they they have everything everything you can even dream of having Money, they have everything. They have all the money they need. Relationships, they can have any girl, any guy, right? They can have anyone they want. Uh, anyone. You, you, you know, fame, everyone knows them. Wherever they go, everyone's like, wow, look at you, look at you, look at you. And yet, they kill themselves. Why? How can you kill yourself? You had everything. Why? Because you know why? It was never because they enough. Climbed to the top of the, they climbed to the top of the mountain. They realized, shit, there's nothing here. It's empty. You see, the people on the bottom of the mountain, at least they think there's something on the top. So they, they tell themselves, oh, if I get to the top, I'm going to be happy. So they have hope. They have hope. I'm going to get to, I'm going to get something. I'm going to get something. I'm going to get something. But the people who made it, they see there's nothing here. Finished. There's nothing left in my life. There's no hope. They kill themselves. It's too depressing. 
It's like it's never enough for those people. They always want more, therefore they always try to get to more, more, more. But I believe it's like a balance. Like you, you do need to achieve. You do need to feel yes. progress in your life. Because you can't just be happy and like uh, you have uh, problems financially and stuff like that. You do need progress. Correct. That's why I call it seesaw. In my book, I call it a seesaw. You need to have, you have to be on both sides. Otherwise, a seesaw is too, uh, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's not enjoyable to sit on a seesaw and you don't have anyone on the other side, right? It's, it's sitting there doing nothing. So you have to have both the being and the becoming. And they have to balance. It's very important. Yes. I really want to thank you for your time. That was really knowledgeable for me. I, I really learned a lot and I'm going to listen to it again because I always want to like listen and see like stuff that I may, I want to take notes and, and, and like I always love to learn it. And the last question I have for you is what kind of legacy you would like to live long after you won't be here? Oh man, <laughs> this is the question. Yeah, that's the last one. That's why I call it like leave a legacy. I, um, hmm. you know, for me, the reason I wrote my book, The Self-Help Addict, is because I really want people to, to create. I want them to go from consumers to creators. I want them to make something for themselves. There's so many people that they just don't do. And I, I am going to give you one example, and this is a very emotional for me personally, is my grandfather, he was a Holocaust survivor. So he was shot and buried alive in the Holocaust. They shot at his parents, they killed them. They shot at his brothers and sisters dead. And But the bullet, it didn't hit him uh in, it, they, it hit him in the shoulder, they missed. And so he fell down to the ground and he pretended to be dead because he knew if he got up, they would kill him. And he climbed out and he ran away and they caught him and they put him on the, on the, uh, the gallows, they, they hung him on a rope. And as they were about to, to murder him, he, he said the Shema, which is uh, a prayer, he said a prayer, prayer and the sirens went off they thought the Russians were coming and so they ran away and he escaped and they wow. caught him again they put him again second time to hang him and again he says this prayer and the sirens went off second time at this time it was it was the Americans that came and they ran away and my grandfather was saved Another wow. occasion, my grandfather was also by the gas chambers. He was about to go into the gas chambers. He was about 10th in line. And suddenly, this Nazi soldier standing next to him, uh, the horse, it made on his shoe, on the boot. So he turned around to my grandfather who was next to him. He said, you dirty Jew, get out here, clean this up. My grandfather came on his hands and knees. He started cleaning the boot of this... German and the German soldier said to him go get out so my grandfather had many many open miracles happen to him he was destined to survive he was meant to survive and you know what when he came out he had nothing he had no family he had no friends 
He had no contacts. He had no money. He didn't even know the language because he escaped. He went to Switzerland. He had no money. He had nothing. And he started from scratch completely. And he built himself up. He became multimillionaire. He gave away, by the way, 90% of his money. 90%. He gave away to charity. He still lived in a little apartment his whole life. He got married. He had children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And I look at him, and this is my biggest inspiration. You know, I interviewed billionaires, celebrities. I interviewed so many different types of incredible people. No one compares to me like my grandfather. This is my biggest inspiration. Because he had every reason to give up. He had every single reason to say, you know what? F it, man. This is effed up. I lost everything. Forget it. I'm going to kill myself. Every reason. But he didn't give up. He kept going. He built himself and built himself. Because of him, I'm, I'm alive today. My legacy is I want people to realize that they can create, they can do, they can help people, they can impact the world. You never know when something you're going to say, you're going to write something down and you're going to post it, whether it's a book or it's a blog or an article, or maybe you're going to go on a podcast show, you're going to say something that someone hears and it's going to change their life. You never know. But I promise you one thing. If you don't do anything, you're not going to affect anyone in this life. And you're going to leave this life with nothing to show for it. Nothing. You're going to have nothing. So my legacy that I want to leave is I want as many people as I can that I come into contact with through my life, I want to give them that motivation to go and do something for themselves in their life. That was really amazing. Uh, like you made me speechless and the story of your grandpa is amazing. It's like it's actually help us have so much perspective about our life because in today's world, most of the people get really mad about so small stuff. And if we take all of it, it's like gratitude is like the, it what makes us actually grow as humans. Like if you start with gratitude and actually do it every single day because what you practice daily, if not, then you will forget this. But all of those kind of stuff, if you don't forget it and you remind yourself this kind of stuff, you, you actually start to live happier. And that's what we all do, what we do. We want to be happy. That's the main reason. We want to feel happy in our life. No matter what we achieve, if we don't feel happy. When happiness comes from within, the more I practice it and the better I, I will feel. Yeah. So... 100%. Thank you very much, man. And where can we find you, of course? Oh, well, the book is out. So if you go to Amazon and you type in The Self-Help Addict, you can buy a copy of the book and all my information is there as well. Great. Thank you very much, Daniel. The privilege, really privilege. It was one of my best interviews so far. I really enjoyed it every single <laughs> Um, I forgot I forgot to mention also my podcast show is called Can I Pick Your Brain? But I think you already mentioned that anyway. So it's yeah, I also will attach uh, all the, the information 
when I post it in uh, my site. If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the fast factor. The fast factor stands for one, Facebook. Become a part of the Mind Body Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body Podcast community. Number two, act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. Three, subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the Mind Body Podcast on YouTube. And number four, train others. Because just like I always says, leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together. And by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook, act, subscribe and train others. Oh, and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory and kinesthetic. Which, when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking, and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.